Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to start with a part two of our mini-series called The Born Identity. If you weren't here last, last week or if you're listening on podcast, then welcome. It's great to have you with us. Um, don't worry, you haven't missed much. I'm going to um, recap very quickly. But there's a film, it's old now, called The Born Identity, about um, an assassin called Jason Bourne, who has amnesia, he's found floating in the sea after uh, a mission that goes wrong, and he can't remember who he is. And the whole story, a whole trilogy of films, is about this man, Jason Bourne, trying to under- discover who he really um, is. And he's got a special set of skills, you know, and, uh, and that's, he starts to find out his identity. Um, so last week, where did we get to last week? Well, Jesus said in the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And perhaps you're sitting here or listening today and you're not yet a Christian. Then you're going to hear what it means to uh, be a Christian, what it means, what Christians believe our true identity is in Christ. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, go. We have our, our responsibility to go and make disciples and various other things and all authority has been given to Jesus, but sometimes we don't. And the missing link is the fact that we perhaps don't really sure, we're not really sure of what our true identity is. I said to you last week, when you ask them a question, who am I? They might say, well, I, I work at JLR, I work at this place. But that's not our identity, that's what we do, it's our function. But who are we? What is our identity? And we, we read this last, last week, that your identity is not just who you are, but it's whose you are. When you are a Christian, when you give your life to Christ, your whole identity shifts. You are a brand new creation, the Bible calls us. And therefore, we belong to not just God, but the King of Kings. Not just any God with a small g, but Almighty God. Who we belong to makes all the difference. God cannot be any bigger. I'm not, I'm not talking in terms of size, but in terms of power and might and majesty. God can't be any bigger, but your view of God can become bigger. Amen. So your identity is not just about who you are, but whose you are. And we, we learned also that there were three types of temptations. Uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And in Genesis chapter 3, uh, we see that these three temptations were um, that Eve, um, the first woman, experienced these three temptations. And her husband uh, was, sit, was standing next to her. And she succumbed to temptation, and then sin entered the world for the first time in Genesis chapter 3. Their identity shifted. They were born to have a relationship with God, but because they, they sinned, they missed the mark, they missed God's best, that suddenly they had, were separated from God in the relationship of God. And this is worth just knowing. Jesus, we learned then through Matthew chapter, um, chapter 4, Jesus' identity was, was, um, was attacked. Jesus was baptised, and the voice came from heaven and says, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. That was the Father's voice speaking over Jesus the Son. I am well pleased. And then we find him going into the wilderness. For 40 days, 40 nights, he did not eat. So he was hungry, and then the devil comes and tempts him. There's three um, areas that Eve was tempted in at the beginning. And it's worth knowing that Jesus' identity was attacked. Satan said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. If Jesus' identity was attacked, then if you are a Christian, 
your identity will be attacked also. Jesus overcame every temptation that man could not overcome to restore our identity in Christ Jesus as sons of God. So therefore, if you are a Christian here today, if you've given your life to Christ, if you said, God, would you forgive me? Would you be Lord of my life? Then your identity has changed. You are now a son and daughter of the King of Kings. And that makes all the difference. If Jesus' identity was attacked, expect yours to be also. Why? Because in Ephesians chapter um, one, we see various things. In Christ Jesus, you have a new identity. Here are just a few things that what that means to you and me today. You are blessed. That means you are to be envied, your relationship with Jesus. You have been chosen. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that you were going to be born. And God wanted you to come into the family of God. You have been chosen. You've been adopted as sons. Things that if, if we're from a, a, a family and we've been born into that family, we don't necessarily fully appreciate that. But if perhaps we were adopted in, in real life, we'd understand really what that means. I know, Ken, you adopted a son, didn't you? Adoption is amazing. It means we become a part of a family that we didn't have any right to become a part of because of sin. We are adopted as sons. We are accepted. Sometimes as Christians, we, we, we might mess up. We might fall short. And then we carry this burden on our shoulders. But God says, well, if you just give it to me, you're accepted. God loves you so much. You are accepted. You're redeemed. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was spilt so that you and I can come into relationship with Father God. It means we've been purchased back. You've been forgiven. So let's act forgiven. When we come to church service, let's worship like we are forgiven. Let's worship like we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. You've been given an inheritance. Yes, that's you. There are rewards for how we take, how we, how we take part of our responsibilities. There are rewards in heaven. But also, we are Jesus' inheritance too. I love the, the different uh, flavor of, of Ephesians and Colossians. One says, we have an inheritance. The other says, we are Jesus' inheritance. That's amazing, isn't it? And we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's almost like a deposit. God has marked us. Holy Spirit lives inside us because he's going to collect that which is his. When we die and when we go to heaven and when we live with Jesus as Christians, the down payment's been made. We have the Holy Spirit now. Great. So that was a little bit where we went last week. Um, fantastic. So I've got a question for us this morning. Have you at times felt that you've been in a bit of a battle? A battle not with circumstances, or it could be circumstances, but I'm talking primarily about relationships. Maybe it might be a, a fallout with someone at work, a colleague, it could be a, um, a boss. And you think, where's this coming from? Where's this tension in this relationship coming from? I wasn't expecting that. Um, there was a time when I was, when I was working, when I was teaching in a college, sixth form college, and uh, it was quite a low time in the college. There was quite a negative culture and atmosphere. People were sort of disagreeing with decisions that were being made. And so it was quite hard to, you know, to be a, a good Christian witness, you know, just trying to be positive. And in my department where I was working, I had one particular colleague who all of a sudden became very, very negative. 
about so many different things. It became so difficult. Um, you'd suggest ideas. There's always a reason why ideas wouldn't work. And uh, I think I, I got out of the bed wrong day. I thought, enough's enough. And we were just talking one day, and we're in a, in a, in a team meeting, and the negativity starts. I wasn't even his team leader. And there's um, the team leader and a few of us were in the meeting. And in the end, he was being negative. I just said, I just let rip on him. I said, why are you being so negative? You know, here we have the privilege of teaching young people, of giving them an education, and we've got to make this work. And I, was, and I just let, let go on him, you know, for a little while. I must have, I don't know. But at that point, um, he really, really made a, a change in trying to be more positive, and he was. Why am I saying that? Because sometimes attention's come in. I don't know why that attention came to that relationship with me and him. I don't know why it was, it was, but sometimes we've got to speak out. God doesn't call us to be nice, does he? Kind, loving, gracious, but sometimes we've got a voice. And we are in a, a fight. And um, sometimes we all might go through situations where there's a tension in our relationships. It could be sometimes with our spouse. It could be with just a... Our ne- I don't know, maybe you've got a neighbour from hell, next door neighbour, uh, who knows? It might be there's tensions and there's all sorts, you're trying to reach out and there's just all sorts going on, maybe in your workplace, whatever. But tensions come into, the, into, the, into our relationships. And I've just got this thought I want to share with us today, very quickly, is your identity gives you a right to fight. Your identity in Christ Jesus gives you a right to fight. And I'm believing that by the end of this message today, that there's going to be some shifts in some of us today. Amen? Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, are you ready to change? Turn to the other person next to you and say, that includes you also. Your identity gives you a right to fight. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. And we're going to look at a well-known passage. Um, but I want to break this down a little bit and share where we're going. Um, it's a bit of teaching, full of a bit of uh, sharing where I feel God's put on our heart today to go. Your identity gives you a right to fight. Um, Leanne had no idea what I was going to be speaking on today. And uh, I just believe God's Holy Spirit has been brooding all over this meeting so far, all over our gathering. Because we're in a fight, friends. We are in a fight. Christianity isn't for wimps. It isn't. It isn't. If you want an easy life, don't be a Christian. But God promises to be with us. Amen? We are in a fight. And... It says in verse uh, 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Let's leave it there. Be strong in the Lord means to be empowered, means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not your own strength, it's his strength. We need to stand strong in his strength, in his mighty power. We need to put on some of the armour of God, the full armour of God. 
And when we're, when we're in situations with relationships and it's just a bit niggly or it's like a bit of like we're in a fight and we're thinking where it's coming from, remember, we're not fighting against flesh and, flesh and blood. There's things happening in the background and we need to have our eyes wide open to that. Otherwise, you will lose your joy, we'll lose our peace and we'll think, I'm just not getting along wrong with someone. Sometimes things come out of left field. We have to really understand there's a real enemy of our souls called Satan who, want, who fell from heaven because he wanted the preeminence. And so he wants to attack our lives. But can I just say, we give Satan too much power. He doesn't have all, all power, all authority, because all authority has been given to Jesus. Amen? And when we become Christians, we come under Jesus' authority and our identity shifts. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, when that tension comes, when the bad day comes, when that relationship tensions happen, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. We're not even just talking about relationship tensions. We're talking about those days where you may feel sometimes depressed, those dark days you don't tell anyone about, those days when you think, is it just me? Is, this, is living the Christian life really hard, easy, easy for everyone else and difficult for me. Those days when you, your identity in Christ is attacked so much that you doubt, and you think, I'm no good at this. Well, guess what? You are no good because Jesus is good. Amen. Amen. So let's look at the full armour of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We'll just go back to the other one. I'm just going to help us with this. See, Paul is writing um, and he's using the, the, the language and the image of a soldier. So I need a soldier this morning. Thank you, Lawrence. Let's welcome Lawrence to the stage. And have you ever read a passage in the Bible and you're thinking, why are these words being used? Okay. Uh, I don't know what the bag this is. Freedom is my life. I think that is. Well, freedom is our life, isn't it? Christ Jesus. So I have some, um, some different items. So we've got some shoes on. We've got a belt. We've got a, a helmet. got a breastplate. I think it goes that way. Let me just put it around you. Just around your neck. There we go. <laughs> we have a shield. And we have a sword. Doesn't look good. Looks the part. <laughs> Were you around in ancient times? <laughs> so let's just quickly go through this because this, this is really useful um, to visually see what Paul was talk, uh, talking about when he wrote um, this letter to the Ephesians. Stand firm. Paul's writing saying, because of your, dev- the, the, your, your enemy, the devil, you've got to stand your ground. You've got to stand firm. You've got to not give him an inch. 
okay? And we, we, because of modern warfare and the way we do modern warfare, often we can attack from a distance with guns and everything. But in this day, it was hand-to-hand combat. Yes, they had um, um, jars of oil and, and big cannonballs and that sort of stuff that would roll down a hill to crush their victims. But often it was on the battlefield, hand-to-hand. So it was really close combat. Yes, they shot with arrows from a distance too. But often the soldier would smell the breath of their enemy. So, Paul writes, stand therefore with the belt of truth. Okay? So that's not necessarily a Roman belt, but it's, 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 it's the belt of truth. It's holding up your trousers. It's not going to fall down, are they? So, thank goodness. Yes, it's a belt of truth. What's the truth of your identity in Christ Jesus? What's the truth of what God has done for you? What's the truth of God's word that you need to apply to your life? And remember... It's a fight. We need to be vigorous in applying truth to our lives. The devil is very subtle and he loses a lot of innuendos. He loses a lot of half-truths. So we need to attack half-truths with truth. And it might just be your mind, it might just be a thought comes to your mind, well, just get rid of that. You, know, you can't really do this. You're not, you're not really going to finish a course. No, God's called me to university to finish my course in my final year. Yes, this might be a difficult year, but I'm going to make it through because God has called me to this course. Yeah? Um, you're, you're, not, you're not really a Christian. Look at your lifestyle. No, I'm a child of God. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yes, I might have failed a few times, but the truth is I'm a child of God. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see my, my blemishes. He sees Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Amen? We need to have the belt of truth strapped firmly around our waist. And then we've got this breastplate of righteousness. This thing about the breastplate is that's got to attack, the, that's got to defend the vital organs. What's the number one organ it's, it's protecting? The heart. So when we're in close combat, you know, if I strike, it's hopefully going to protect the heart. We've got to protect our hearts, friends. As Christians, you will get hurt. You might get hurt even by other Christians, let alone people that aren't yet Christians. So we've got to protect our hearts. Above all, protect your hearts. Out of it flow the issues of life. How do we do that? It's a breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is basically right living, right thinking, right speaking. It's not our own righteousness. It's not trying to do it in our own strength because our best isn't good enough. But saying, God, today as I go out and in Lawrence's situation, I go to university or work or just do life, help me to speak the right thing. Help me to think the right thing. Help me to do the right thing to people. And if people on your way misinterpret your motives, let it wash over you. Let it wash over you. Protect your heart. Make a decision. It doesn't matter what people are going to say about me. I'm living for Jesus. And I'm going to protect my heart. Let it wash over you. It's easier said than done. But sometimes when the thought comes, oh, that was a horrible thought. That was a horrible comment someone said. It goes to our ears or to our head. And then we intentionally sometimes dwell on it. And then it sinks to our heart. Don't let it, get, don't let it drop. Don't let it drop from your head to your heart. Say, so dismiss it. No, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on because God is on my side. 
wear the breastplate of righteousness. I love this. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So today, um, Lawrence is not wearing Roman shoes. They were, in those times, they have sort of sandals that would be strapped. When they're strapped, they're ready to, to move and to, to run and to walk. But he's got trainers. Yay. Trainers, if anything, are a sign of readiness. Yeah. God, give us a quick run to the front and back. Come on. That's it. Very good. Very good. He's ready. He's got them... The shoelaces are tied. They're good to go. Yeah, they seem quite new, nice and bouncy. Okay. And this is wonderful. Let's look at this. Your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The good news of peace. The good news that people can have a relationship between themselves and the living God. You can have no peace in your relationship with, between yourself and God as a Christian. But other people can know that too. You don't need to be able to preach at people. Just be able to get, as Peter says, be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you. People are looking, watching our lives. You don't have to ram things down their throat. But by the same, same token, you also have got a tongue in your mouth. We can use actions and we can use words. So let's be people that do good acts, but also look for opportunity. God, today when I go into the workplace, today when I get out of uh, and do my daily routine, help me to live for you and show me someone that needs to hear about you today. The gospel of peace. Peace that brings, um, peace that bridges the gap between our sin and, and God. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith from which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So this is interesting. This is the weapon that might, the, uh, our enemies might be using from a distance might be uh, not just arrows, but fiery arrows, okay? So if I fire some arrows, it might be several at the same time. I mean, Romans would use a bigger, bigger, bigger shield, but then it can... But what would happen if an arrow hit Lawrence? A flaming arrow. Well, maybe it may not kill him. It might hit his arm. But because on fire, what's going to happen to Lawrence? It's going to... can set him on fire. And Paul's alluding to the accusations that the devil might say about you. Yeah, you're in church today, but you haven't told anyone what you did last week. You haven't told anyone what you did a couple of days ago. The fiery darts of accusation. But when we stand and say, God, forgive me, keep those short accounts, it doesn't matter because God sees Someone that is blameless, someone that is holy in his sight. Keep that shield of faith strong. Take the helmet of salvation. This is protecting the head. And the mind is your battleground. The mind is your battleground. There's where those thoughts come in. Whatever the source those thoughts are, that's where those thoughts will attack your mind. And if you allow them, they'll go from your head to your heart. But don't allow it. So know that you are a child of God. You've been saved. You've been saved. So walk tall. Walk strong. You don't have to carry. You don't have to... When we know who we are, it affects the way we walk, where we talk, and the way we speak. So we need to guard our, our minds using the helmet of salvation, knowing that we are, belong to God. And here we've got our offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. When Jesus was attacked in the wilderness... 
Three times he used scripture. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. Attack using the Bible. It is written. It is written. And then Paul says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we've got our defensive weapons. We've got our attacking or offensive weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay? And in addition, Paul says pray. Using all types of prayer. Praying for all the Lord's people. Have you prayed for God's people this morning? Paul writes, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Selfishly, have you prayed for me this morning? For which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as it should. Very quickly, um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we see four types of prayers. I urge you then, writes Paul, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. So here are four types of different prayers that we can pray. Okay? The first one, the petition, which is like the request, it's praying for a specific or a felt need. Do you ever have times when you've, you just wish God would do a particular thing in your life or the life of a loved one? You, know it's, you just know it's like make or break. You're just praying, God, would you do this? You're entreating God. That's a petition prayer. Brilliant prayers. Another type of prayer is an exchange of prayers or wishes towards God. God would, um, it may not be a, a deep felt prayer, but it's basically towards God. God, oh, oh, would you do this? Would you do that? Third type of prayer is the intercession prayer. It's basically where you feel moved or led by Holy Spirit to pray for a particular reason or cause. You might be just doing your normal business one day and suddenly you feel, oh, I've got to pray for this. And you start to pray. And that's God that leads that intervention. Be open to Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit knows what is needed. And I love this fourth type of prayer, which is the prayer of thanksgiving. Giving thanks for God's grace. Let's never be too slow to thank God for his grace at work in our life. The fact that you and I can be called children of God. Not because of our own goodness. Because of what Jesus has done for us. That's why when we come to a gathering, to a church service, we need to be the first to praise God, to thank him, to celebrate what he has done in our lives and the lives of other people that are coming to know him. Amen? So there are four types of prayer there that we can use. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. You might think, well, thanksgiving is not really a prayer. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. God, I'm so thankful. And thanksgiving opens up the gateway we start to thank God, enter his courts with praise. And we start to thank God for what he's done. For the fact that you've got food on the table. Food on the table. The average daily wage in, in India is less than two pounds. You've got food on the table and change in your back pocket. You've got so much to be thankful to God for. So, you need to fight and stand your ground. I've got three things for you to think about very quickly today. Just go back to the first one. Alert. We need to be watchful. So as you enter your daily routine, whether it's the workplace, university, wherever it is, just in your street, you go to the shops, whatever your daily routine looks like, be alert. Yes, be alert and think about 
maybe anything the devil might be doing. But it's not all about the devil. It's about being alert and watchful about how you can be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have within you. This, as we're going towards our Christmas time, we're taking a step of faith. We're hiring this um, town hall. Be alert. Well, God, who can I leave, give a leaflet to today about this? Who on my street? We're encouraging you to own your streets. That means put a, le- a leaflet prayerfully through every, every letterbox through your street. And maybe then inviting two or three people that you know in your world. Can I say, people that don't yet know Jesus? People that don't yet know Jesus? Be alert. Ask God, how can uh, you use me today? Open your eyes. Open your ears. Open your spiritual senses. Let God lead you, and he will. Anyone who wants to be used by God just needs to pray, God, use me today. Use me today. Secondly, your attire. So remember the whole armour of God. Not just some of it. It's not just thinking, well, I'm going to wear the helmet of salvation. I'm going to remember I'm saved. Well, that's, that's good. But you need to think when the fiery darts come. You, need to, you, you can't be excused not to know the word of God. Therefore, you've got to use the sword of the Spirit. Use the whole armour of God. And lastly, attack. The thing is, it's your right to fight. It's your my right to fight. And we need to be a little bit more aggressive. Can I dare say that? Being a Christian, it's not good enough to be passive. Just let, because if you just become passive, you know, where there's passivity uh, and inaction, then the devil has his field day. But when we attack, when we say that is not right, and we see injustice, we say that is not right, God, would you do something? Use your prayers. Use your prayer language. Say, God, that is not right. Would you do something? Can I say, when you start praying like that, sometimes it's not God that changes the situation. It'll be you that changes the situation. Because when you say, God, would you do something? God will say, I'm going to use you. I've given you a voice. I've given you opportunity. Would you do something? What can I do? Just listen. He'll give you one step, one strategy as you pray. But we need to be people that know, because of our identity, know that we have a right to fight and we need to get stuck in. Amen. 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 I'm just going to quickly invite the band back. Thank you, Lawrence. Let's give it up for Lawrence. We're just going to um, just pray. I know we've overrun, but we're just going to, I think it's really worth, um, we're going to respond in a few moments. I wonder if you put the Lord's Prayer up, please. Matthew chapter 6. It's on my slide. Let's stand, shall we, in the presence of God. Can I have the next slide, please? Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He teaches us how to pray. Sometimes we know that we read read this prayer out loud. But Jesus wasn't saying, pray these words. He said, pray pray like this. In this manner, therefore, pray. And so, church, it's time to be a 
progressive. It's time to know our rights as a child of God, that you can approach Father. You can approach Abba. He knows your needs. It says before that, you know, he don't use loads of words because he, he knows your needs before you even pray. So that's great, isn't it? God knows our needs. Sometimes we, f- we can't get beyond our own needs, but God wants you to get beyond your own needs because if we don't get beyond our own needs, it's selfishness, isn't it? Because there's a world that needs our prayers. And as we start to pray, it gives God permission to move um, on our behalf. It invites God into our world. All authority has been given to me, said Jesus. Go therefore. Pray therefore. Make disciples. So we're going to pray this. And we're going to, every time it says pause, we're going to stop. Let's read that first one. This manner therefore pray. All together, please. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.